you know, I thought I could just get up and just do the normal this morning and just come and do my prepared message and do all that. But then I thought, you know what? Let's do what God wants to do. And uh, let's just take a few moments and allow him to move. And uh, I just know God's moving in people's lives this morning. And you know what? We should never take church for granted because God's real. And uh, when we gather together, it's not just some kind of service that we just articulate every week and just go through the motions. You never know what God's going to do. And I want to encourage you as a Christian to wake up every day like that and say, God, I don't know what you want to do today, but I'm up for it. Because when we gave our life to Jesus, we gave over full authority to the Lord Jesus Christ to move in our lives. And I just think we should be directed and led by Him and allow Him to move in our lives. And I know that this morning is different, but God's into doing different things. He's into changing and transforming. And I just wanted to speak briefly this morning, as some time has been taken, I'm just going to shorten this. But I just want to talk about the fight of faith. The fight of faith. Many of us are told when it comes to our, our Christian journey that we make a decision to follow Jesus and, and we can at times feel like people are telling us that everything's going to be rosy after that moment, that everything's going to be fine. And thanks team, you guys can grab a seat by the way. I appreciate you, you staying with me. We can, uh, we can feel like everything's going to be rosy and fine and we can feel like others have told us that perhaps and we start to live our life in that way where we just feel like, all right, everything's going to be fine. And then we find ourselves encountering an issue or a problem and then all of a sudden we can feel unequipped to be able to deal with that circumstance because what we thought Christianity was and what it turned out to be can feel very different. Why is it this morning that we would know in this place multiplied hundreds of people that we would know that were at one point sitting in these chairs but are no longer sitting here anymore? And not even just not sitting in these chairs in this church, but they're not following Jesus anymore. It tells me that there is a fight of faith, that it isn't just taken for granted that you give your life to Jesus and then therefore everything's going to be fine. There'll never be any battles to kind of face in our life. It says in the Bible to fight the good fight of faith. 1 Timothy 6 verse 12 says, fight the good fight of the faith. Take hold of the eternal life to which you were called when you made your good confession in the presence of many witnesses. You know, the word fight in the Greek is agonizo, which refers to a struggle, a fight, a great exertion or effort. It is where we get the word agony, a word often used in the New Testament to convey the ideas of anguish, pain, distress and conflict. Listen to this. The word agonizo itself comes from the word agon, which is the word that depicted the athletic conflicts and competitions that were so famous to the ancient world. It frequently pictured wrestlers in a wrestling match with each other struggling with all their might to overcome their opponent in an effort to hurl them to the ground and to finish the fight. 
And so when the Bible says fight the good fight of faith, it's talking about an effort and exertion on our end. It's understanding that, yes, God has already won the fight. He's won the war, but there will be battles along the way. There will be Goliaths and circumstances that yell at us and try to intimidate us where we are called to step out in faith, where we are called to exert some strength and say, you know what? I'm going to trust God. I understand that God can fight my battles for me, and so therefore I'm going to trust Him, and I'm going to fight the good fight of faith. Being a Christian isn't necessarily an easy thing. It actually talks about in Scripture that it is the narrow path that, re- that leads to life. Broad and wide is the path that leads to destruction, so therefore there is a choice that we must make. See, faith is a fight. It's a fight of our flesh. To sometimes do, Paul said it this way, I do the things that I don't want to do. And I think we can all relate to that. It's the fight to be able to trust God and to have faith in God, even when at times we sin and make mistakes and our flesh is pulling us a different way. It's a fight in our minds. How many of us have struggled with anxiety and fear and some circumstances that can cause us to, to fear the future? can look at the promises of God and then look at our actual life and think these things are two different things. There's a fight there to be able to think the way that God wants us to think. There's a spiritual fight. The enemy doesn't want you to succeed. The Bible says he wants to kill, steal, and destroy. We prayed for some people this morning. and We worship this morning because the enemy is trying to kill, steal, and destroy. Purpose. He's trying to do that in our life. He's trying to take away any sense of God's purpose. And there's a fight of circumstances. Sometimes things happen in our life where it feels like there's all of these things that are going wrong and they start to add up in our life and we can feel, where's God? Can I remind you this morning that God has already won the war? He's just called us to trust Him and to live a life of faith, to be unswerving in our faith, to trust Him in the midst, even in the storm, even when we don't understand. The call is to trust. 2 Timothy 4 verse 1. This is an incredible passage where Paul is speaking to his spiritual son in the faith, Timothy. And this is a moment where Paul is coming to the end of his life. He knows that his life is coming to a close and that he is going to be killed for the sake of the gospel. He's done everything he could to pour his life out, to see the gospel advance and to move forward. And here he is finding himself in this last moment in 1 Timothy chapter 4, where he has his last moment to invest all that he can into the life of Timothy before his life would pass. Can you imagine what it's like when someone is on their deathbed, how much more weighty those words are? When someone speaks to you in those last moments, there's things that you will never forget. They may say them another time, but when they say them and their deathbed in that moment, it just has so much more power and significance. And that's exactly what's happening here in this passage in 1, 2 Timothy, sorry, chapter 4. It says, In the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who will judge the living and the dead, and in view of his appearing and his kingdom, I give you this charge. It's his last charge. Preach the word. Be prepared in season and out of season. Correct, rebuke, and encourage with great patience and careful instruction. For the time will come 
when people will no longer put up with sound doctrine. Instead, to suit their own desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. I think that's happening today in our society. There is a gospel of convenience, not a gospel of commitment. There is an understanding of oftentimes where Jesus is just an add-on to a lot of people's lives. Where church is something that if I feel like it, I'll be there. Where reading the word of God and taking some time to get in his presence is just an optional extra rather than a calling to take up our cross as believers in Jesus. And I don't mean this as a heavy, convicting word because we are all saved by the grace of Jesus Christ and by the grace of God go I. And so not one of us is perfect. And if we read our Bible, if we don't, God loves us still the same. But there is a calling to take up our cross. There is a calling to have the fight of faith and to understand that we are called to press in. They will turn their ears away from the truth and turn aside to myths. But you... Keep your head in all situations. Endure hardship. Do the work of an evangelist. Discharge all the duties of your ministry. For I am already being poured out like a drink offering. You know, when it talks about there about a drink offering, literally in the Old Testament, how they would make an offering to the Lord is that they would take their wine and they would pour it out on the altar before the Lord. Actually, even in the, in the culture and the society of the day, the pagans would even do that. And at the end of their meal, they would pour out some wine onto the ground to say, this is an offering to the gods. And in this moment, Paul's saying, my meal is done. My life is being poured out. He's saying, I've given all that I can on the altar. Wouldn't that be an incredible thing to be said about our lives? That we'd poured all that we had out for God. And he says, in the time for my departure is near. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Now there is in store for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day. And not only to me, but also to all who have longed for his appearing. Five ways to fight the good fight of faith. I want to take you on a quick journey this morning. The first one is number one, be different. If we look back at this passage, it says, They will turn their ears away from the truth and turn aside to myths. But you, let there be a difference about your life. That's why we took a moment this morning to worship God, a moment this morning to get out of our comfort zone and to be different, a moment this morning to seek the face of God because we are different. We could just go through the motions just like everyone else. Our lives could look like everybody else in this world and in this community, but there is something that we are called to be different. Yeah. Our faith makes us different. When everyone else is going that way, we're going that way. There's a difference about our lives. And there's something important about that. I love Mark Varagis. He says this, It's hard to hear the whisper of God when you follow him from a distance. And isn't that true? There's some things that you can just whisper to your wife that nobody else is meant to hear. There's some things that are intimate where you are connected in such a way where you can just whisper. And that person is the only person intended to hear. Whereas oftentimes we try and live our Christian faith at such a distance that we're not hearing what God's saying. 
that we're not spending any time in his word and prayer, just time in his presence where we allow him to saturate and soak and speak to us and do the work that only he can do. If we want to be transformed, it's by spending that time in his word. It's by spending that time where we pray and have have those moments in his presence. They're things that nobody else can do for you. We can come to church and have an incredible environment and encourage you. There can be connect groups. There can be people that love you and, and serve you. There can be people around you in your life. But at its core, Christianity is personal. No one else can make you hungry. No one else can make you want to see God. That has to be a choice that we make. And that's why it's a fight of faith. Because it's a fight to do that. It's a fight to actually focus on Jesus when there can be so many other distractions that want to take us off course. I love 2 Corinthians 5 verse 7 in the Amplified. It says this, For we walk by faith. We regulate our lives and conduct ourselves by, and, and conduct ourselves by our conviction or belief respecting man's relationship to God and divine things. With trust and holy fervor, thus we walk, not by sight or appearance. I love Smith Wigglesworth. He said it this way, I'm a thousand times bigger on the inside than I am on the outside. And that's how I want to be. I want my spirit man to be strong. I want to spend time in God's presence and allow him to transform me on the inside. I want people to notice there's something different about my life. Faith makes you different. I don't know whether anybody has been following or have seen the news about Kanye West becoming a believer, giving his life to Jesus Christ. And whether you've got whatever your views are on that this morning, can I just say this? How amazing is it? This guy who was once known for so many F-bombs in his music is now singing truth bombs about Jesus. In fact, he called his album, Jesus is King. Can you imagine millions of people typing into iTunes, Jesus is King? I think it's incredible. It's amazing. You hear his story, you hear him talking about his salvation experience, his conversion experience, some incredible people that are around him and and helping him and encouraging him. I think what an incredible transformation. You only have to go back and listen to his music. Don't put it on shuffle. Because you'll get the good and the bad. But I love that there is a difference about him. And it's seen in his music. There's a difference about him. It's seen in his smile. There's a difference about him. It's seen in the way that he's no longer trying to chase these idols of money and fame and popularity and all those things. He's trying to chase Jesus. He says, my mission is to serve Jesus. He used to call himself, you know, Kanye. And what did did he call himself? Jesus. And he said, I spent so much time trying to get other people to follow me. And now I want to spend my life teaching people to follow Jesus. I think, how amazing is that? But there's a difference about him. And I wonder sometimes, this is a a new convert, someone that's so passionate and enthusiastic, but how often did we start off like that? And then it was just more comfortable to fit in. And we started off so passionate and so different to our world that they saw that there was something different about us. But then we got comfortable and we just started to just look like them. And our Christianity became more about just a theology than us living it out. 
And this is a challenging thought because every one of us has got to make that decision and have those moments with God by ourselves. I love in 1 Corinthians 9 verse 24, it says, Do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one gets the prize? Run in such a way as to get the prize. Everyone competes in the games, goes into strict training. That's not seen by everybody else. That's seen when most people are sleeping, when people are training and developing. They do it to get a crown that will not last, but we do it to get a crown that will last forever therefore I do not run like someone running aimlessly I do not fight like a boxer beating the air no I strike a blow to my body and I make it my slave so that after I have preached to others I myself will not be disqualified to have those moments with God by ourselves. I love Muhammad Ali he said this the fight is won or lost far away from witnesses Incredible heavyweight boxer. He said, behind the lines, in the gym, and out on the road, long before I dance under those lights. And church is like coming and dancing under the lights. We're all here together. We're all in the light. We're all people of light. And we come and we celebrate and we are encouraged and we are built up. But our Christianity is worked out personally on Monday. No one else is there. The worship team didn't come with you to work. They're not surrounding all your colleagues saying, this is how I fight my battles. (laughs) Imagine that. The preacher isn't there pumping you up. That's when your faith has to fight. That's when it has to find its own power to move forward. And as we focus on Jesus and look look at the author and perfecter of our faith, Jesus, he does the work on our behalf. But we have to make that decision to fight. Secondly, this morning, we need to have a clear mind going on in this passage. It says, but you, talking differentiating, you be different. It says, keep your head in all situations. Keep your head in all situations. In other words, have a clear mind. Let me tell you this. Here's a fact. When you chop off a chicken's head, the pressure of the axe triggers all the nerve endings in the neck, causing that little burst of electricity to run down all the nerves leading back to the muscles to tell them to move. The chicken appears to flap its wings and to run around even though It's already dead. Can I say this? There are a lot of Christians running around. (laughs) Flapping their wings. Running around crazy because they've lost their head. I'm sorry to tell you that this morning. And many of us are caught in our circumstances and our situations and we are so consumed with anxiety and fear, things that are happening around us that we can lose our clear mind. We can lose the clear thought of the promises of God. We can lose our confession of faith. We can lose those things that stabilize us and building our life on the word of God that give us a clear mind. God has not given us a spirit of fear. But power, love, and a sound mind. But oftentimes we're running around like a chicken with its head cut off. We're running around flapping, stressing, and worrying. We're caught in fear. We're running around, and people are seeing that. 
and thinking, that's not a clear mind. That's not a differentiating thing. I don't want that kind of faith. But the kind of faith we're talking about, it trusts God anyway. It trusts God when circumstances don't appear to be as we want them to be. I love in Isaiah 61, it says, Instead of ashes, the oil of joy. Instead of mourning and a, gar- and a garment of praise. Instead of a spirit of despair. It talks about the fact that we are called to be people of praise. Instead of being consumed by the despair and the fear and the things that are surrounding us, we are focusing our attention. And then it says they will be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. Imagine if your life was for the display of his splendor. That God enabled you, anointed you to think clearly in any circumstance so that your life could display the splendor of God. So that your life could be an example, could be a difference, that you could have a clear mind. Praise and gratitude will always lead you towards a clear mind. Fear and despair will bring cloud. It will bring storm. It will bring things in your life that start to stop you from seeing your purpose. But when we praise and when we live with a sense of gratitude, when we remind ourselves about Jesus and what he has done for us, it just starts to lift our attention. When we worship him, he performs the miracles as we worship. He does the work for us so we have a clear mind. Thirdly, this morning it says, guard your heart or endure hardships. I've called it guard your heart. But you keep your head in all situations. Endure Hardships. I love it in Proverbs 4, verse 23. It says, Above all else, guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. In any fight, anybody that understands boxing or mixed martial arts will understand that you have got a guard that is up when you are in that physical fight. If you drop your guard, you are susceptible to being knocked out. If you drop your guard, you will seriously be injured. The people that are in that fight with you are not in there to play. They are in there to hurt you. They are in there to hit you as hard as they can. And therefore, the guard is up to protect you. It's the same when it comes to our heart. There are a lot of wounds that can get into our heart. There are a lot of things that we can brush off at the time, but as time goes by, we can realize that really did some deep damage on the inside of me. That really pierced me in such a way that it's hurt. It's taken the wind out of me. It's taken the passion and the enthusiasm out of my life. I don't know. I think I'm speaking to people this morning that you've experienced that. You've had moments in your life where your guard has been broken and someone has hurt you. Some circumstances has hurt. A disappointment with God has pierced and gone through. And it causes incredible pain. And that's why scripture reminds us again and again to make sure that our heart is in a good place. Make sure that we have fresh things flowing out of our heart. Our life flows out of our heart. I love in Philippians 4 verse 4 it says, Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Just to be able to have that sense that we can focus on Jesus even in the midst of incredible opposition and challenge, to be able to protect our heart and guard our heart in times where we can feel like there is opposition against us. It is so important to be able to put up a guard and to be able to protect our heart. One of the things that we can really struggle with in this world today is fear. 
And fear can come in and can pollute your heart in such a way that everything you see is through the filter of fear. You look at your future, you can look at your workplace, you can look at any circumstance, you can look at your family, you can look at your finances, and fear can literally take control of your life and run rampant. You can find yourself in a place where you can no longer see even logic because fear has completely consumed you. We see that so clearly in the story of David and Goliath. There were so many people that could have stepped up to that plate to fought Goliath. But fear had bellowed and spoke to them and yelled out to them for so long that the people were afraid and terrified. It took someone outside of that circumstance to come in and say, you know what, I'm not afraid. Because I'm relying on Jesus Christ. I'm relying on the promises of God to be able to see me through. And that turned and changed that situation. Can I encourage you, when you're finding yourself in a place of fear, go back to the Word of God. Get outside of that situation and get to a place where the Word of God feeds your faith and causes you to see things differently. Fourthly, this morning, extending your reach, it says in 2 Timothy 4 verse 5, but you... Keep your head in all circumstances, endure hardship, do the work of an evangelist. In fact, in this passage, it pretty much implies that Timothy wasn't an evangelist. And just because you're not an evangelist with one of the fivefold ministry gifts, it doesn't mean that just like Paul said here, that you're not called to do the work of an evangelist. Every believer is called to do the work of an evangelist. Every one of us is called to reach out and connect with people outside of our world and extend our reach. See, the, 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 the reality of it is, you know, any kind of fight, somebody that has the reach advantage has a huge advantage in that fight. But the thing about reach is, reach only takes place by you putting your whole body into the punch. And I think about that when it comes to the church. We are the body of Christ. If we all extend, it creates such a further reach. If we all make a decision to reach out to friends and family and people that don't know Jesus, if we all play our part, the reach of the church is extended. The work of the evangelist, all, every one of us playing our part, starts to take its place. I love this quote. The church is the church only when it exists for others. Anybody like me and have really loved that new caramilk chocolate? I mean, come on. How good is that? And they come out and they say, for a limited time only. That's a terrifying thought. That's when the fear starts to come in. And so you go out and you're buying as many blocks as possible. What about when McDonald's do those cream egg McFlurries? Oh, so good. I love at Christmas time the chocolate nougat puddings. Oh, amazing. And they're just there for this limited time. And so what do you do? You go out quickly and you buy it. You're telling everyone about it. Oh, check this out. The new caramel chocolate's out. You've got to do it. Amy bought eight blocks of it. <laughs> she was terrified it was going to be gone. And so we run out quickly and we grab it and we, we bring it back because it's a limited time. Do you know our life is limited? And at one point, we knew we were, it was a limited time only to try and spread this gospel. But sometimes, as time goes on, we forget the morality of life. 
It's short. We have such a limited time only to reach out to people, to share the gospel of Jesus Christ, to tell people about the good news. I just want to give you an, an, an acrostic. I've called it a hack for evangelism. You know, life hacks, where it's an easier way of being able to do something. Here it is. Hack. H. If you want to be a, a good evangelist, H. Be happy. There's a lot of grumpy people telling good news. <laughs> and your life is speaking louder than the news that's coming out of your mouth. And so if you're not a happy person, if you're not someone that's bringing joy to the room, then you're not most likely going to be effective with your evangelism. A, be alert. There is opportunities all around. Sometimes we say, where are the unbelievers? Get in your car. Drive down your street. Go to work. Go to school. They're all around you. But are we alert for the opportunities? Are we ready saying, God, what do you want to do today? As the conversation moves towards faith, let's not shrink back. Let's move into it. See, be connected. We just had Halloween. Everyone's going up and down our street, Glenmore Park. They love Halloween. There's people coming around and knocking on our door and going past. And I'm not a big Halloween person. We don't dress up or do any of that kind of stuff, but I didn't want to be the grumpy person on the street that you knock on our door and no one answers it and they're just the happy Christians or the grumpy Christians that don't answer the door. I thought this is an opportunity for me to meet some of my neighbours. This is an opportunity for me to meet some of the people that are on my street and I know I'm breaking some kind of religious cow this morning. And so what did we do? We got a whole bunch of chocolates and lollies. And with my kids, we just went out in front and we just met people as they went by. And they came through. We gave them some chocolate as they went by. We talked to them. We connected with them. We just got to meet some people in our street. Because you know what? My voice is speaking for me if I just lock the house and turn the lights off. I want that person to be able to say, you know what? If I'm in need, I could go to them. They seem like happy people. There's something different about them. They've not got the house locked up, the lights off. Hating me. <laughs> They're out there. And I just think, why don't we put ourselves in some dark places at times? Light is best in the darkness. Why don't we take some opportunity to connect? And K, be kind. Kindness is spiritual. And you'll achieve more from kindness. No one likes the word evangelism. Even Christians don't like the word evangelism. But people like kindness. And so we understand being kind is the starting point to evangelism and opening up people's hearts. It really takes the hardness out of it. And it makes it really simple. And finally this morning, my fifth point, use your gift. The last thing that Paul spoke to young Timothy, he said, discharge all the duties of your ministry. Do you know that every member is a minister? We have all been given the ministry of reconciliation. Every person is a minister. It's not just made for the people on the platform, the people with the pastor's credential. Every one of us are called to be ministers in this world. We're all called to play our part. Let me tell you something about the pinky finger. It seems small, 
It seems insignificant. Here's a fact. Losing your pinky causes you to lose up to 50% of your hand's grip. Basically, the reason humans have opposal thumbs, opposing thumbs, I don't know what I'm saying here, which differentiates from all other animals is that the pinky finger is doing most of the opposing. Extending from the base of your palm, an extra muscle called the hypothena eminence is attached to your pinky, which adds to its dexterity. All the other fingers help the pinky's finger grab by guiding or fine-tuning where the tool is in the hand. Try doing pull-ups on a monkey bar without using your pinky or perhaps simply pull down on the edge of your table with your fingers and you'll notice that your pinky finger is actually very strong and is exerting most of the force needed. And may I suggest that this church exists because a whole bunch of pinky fingers (laughs) are serving God. Most people are impacted more by the person with a smile saying, welcome to church this morning, than the person speaking from the platform. And that person may just feel like the little pinky finger. But 50% of the reason they probably come back is because of the smile and the welcome they received. And so every one of us play our part. It may feel small, but each part, as Scripture says, does its work. And when we do our work together, the body is built up, it's matured, it's encouraged, it's strengthened, it's becoming what it's called to be. And so we need you. I need you and you need me. Together, the church is strengthened. Together, we fight and contend for the faith. Together, we become what we're called to be. So this morning as we close, be different. Have a clear mind. Guard your heart. Extend your reach and use your gift. Fight the good fight of faith. Lord, this morning, I pray for every person that's here. Lord, we know that at times doubt, fear, challenge can cause this fight of faith to be difficult. It causes us to just like the word, the Greek word means to exert, to give off energy and strength. And we acknowledge it is challenging. But Jesus, we know in your strength, you've given us all that we need. You are with us. You are fighting for us. And the fight of faith is in your hands. Lord, give us the strength to trust you unswervingly, to be firm and to hold our course. Lord, when those around us would perhaps batter us or circumstances would cause us to shrink back in fear, Lord, help us to hold true to your word and to fight the good fight of faith. We know it's not always going to be good, but we know that you are good. And Lord, this morning we choose to trust in you and to fight the good fight of faith together. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You know, I don't know in this room this morning, everyone's circumstance, and just like we've talked about before, faith is personal. So I don't know where you stand personally, spiritually this morning, but I want to pray the sinner's prayer. 
simple prayer, asking Jesus to come into our heart. Maybe it's something you need to do afresh today. Maybe your relationships become nothing more than theology and an understanding about God. But it can become personal this morning, in this moment. So right now I'm going to pray this prayer this morning. I'm going to ask you to repeat after me. And if you want to be included in it, I'm just going to ask you just to, to pray out loud as we all pray together as a church family. And make this fresh from your heart today. Dear Lord Jesus, today I give you my heart. For my sins, I'm sorry. Thank you for your forgiveness. Thank you that you love me. Help me to live for you and to walk by faith and serve you completely. In Jesus' name, amen. Lord, we thank you this morning for this word. Let it go deep into our heart as we've made this decision to serve you, Lord God. Help us to to be a personal decision that's outworked every day as we serve and love you and become all that we're called to be with the purpose that you have given uniquely every one of us. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, let's finish with worshiping this morning. Why don't you stand with me as we finish?